Hey, Hound Dogs, I'm David Hankins. And I'm Paul Hankins. And I'm Trevor Hankins. And welcome to On the Air with Power Squared. If you were tuning in to see us interview Steve Laffler, uh, he had to cancel at the last moment. We'll reschedule him probably sometime in November. Yeah. So looking forward to having the conversation, but uh, we have to sort of pivot to a new topic. Yeah. So, Since it's uh, of the season, I figured we could uh, talk about horror. Uh, I'd actually consider doing that as like a bonus on Halloween, but the opportunity opened up here. Yep. Uh, we were trying to figure out what direction to go in, and then we realized we had Frankenstein on the brain. <laughs> uh, and that we actually had a bit to talk about with that, like, uh, material-wise. Yeah, so we thought we would uh, spend the show talking about Frankenstein. Yes. So, hope you, uh, if you've seen or haven't seen, hope you enjoy it. So, uh, we want to start with the uh, Frankenstein that everybody knows, which is Sadly, not the book, but the movie Frankenstein from Universal, 1931. Yeah. Um, With uh, Boris Karloff as the monster. Yes, or as question mark as the monster. Is it yeah. Have in there. Um, which is really not a retelling of the book. Uh, it's based on the book, but not really a strict follow the book. Yeah. It's based on the idea of the book. Yeah, yes. it takes uh, elements of the book and does its own thing with it. Uh, like, yeah, from my understanding of what, my understanding of what happened in the book. Right. We have not read Mary Shelley's book. No. But <laughs> my understanding of what happens in the book, uh, it does, again, it takes some plot elements, mm -hmm. but uh, puts its own spin on it, and uh, the universal... Uh, interpretation of Frankenstein is also what most people think of when they talk about Frankenstein, uh, including like the lightning, uh, the bolts on the neck. Right, that's so you can jumpstart him, right? Yeah. And uh, the windmill scene. Right. So, and then you find that people a lot of times will be remaking the story they know, not the story that it's based on yeah so there's a lot of interpretations of frankenstein that are basically based on the universal yeah movie um so the original book dates to 1818 yeah mary shelley wrote it when she was started when she was 18 published it when she was 20 which is just it's really to have to write a book that young that is still being talked about especially yeah. on this show <laughs> it's quite an accomplishment you have to give credit to that. Yeah. And that's a little more, um, one of the things we were talking about, we're not huge scare horror fans. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, so yeah we're at least us. not huge experts. In yeah, and we're, not, and we're not trying to pretend that we're, just like on any time we talk about something, even yeah. Power Squared, we're not experts. Yeah. Um, but, so, um, but we, we do uh, watch a lot of movies. We also write reviews of movies yeah and we sort of wanted to cross po uh, pollinate with trophy unlocked trophy unlocked.blogspot.com uh, where we have reviewed uh, a couple of the movies that we'll be talking about and some of the stories that we're talking about yeah uh, so um, basically uh, what so I gather that the Frankenstein story more than being and, it, and if you watch that movie now it is you know what 90 one years old, nine yeah. years old, and it's not going to really scare you. 
No. You know, unless it's, you're a small child, I guess. Yeah, it's very tame by today's standards. <laughs> yeah. But I imagine back then, I mean, the fact that you were dealing with, you know, somebody recreating life and the blasphemy of being God and all yeah. that. I'm sure it was a little more resonant. But I don't know how many people were really frightened by these movies when they, all these horror movies that Universal did when they came out. Yeah, I mean, unless we big unless we maybe like look at reviews of the time or somehow figure out what people were saying then we yeah. not really sure so we can only assume that it was scarier to an audience back then yeah and uh this was the second of the horror films that universal made the first being dracula yeah which came out i believe it was uh valentine's day yeah 1931 um so they were trying to you know brand themselves as sort of a horror and I had I took a class uh, about film history one time and the teacher was talking about all these horror films they made and how and, they, and there are lots of them there's four or five Frankensteins and four or five you know Dracula sequels yeah that we would call them now and uh, he was saying that they always figured there were you know crazy people out there that would like them so they just <laughs> kept making them so um, anyway so Frankenstein it's probably a lot of people's first exposure, the movie Frankenstein. Yeah, I would say the movie is uh, still worth watching because of like uh, how much influence it has on later media. Right, and you're, you're seeing sort of the, I guess the birth of the stardom of uh, Boris Karloff. Yeah. Uh, he was sort of a bit player in Hollywood at that, and up until then, and there was this like big breakthrough for him. Yeah. And you see him again in more horror films like The Mummy and things like that. He's, yeah sort of became a little synonymous with horror the same way Bela Gossi did. And and for Boris Karloff's sake, he, had, he was actually able to make other movies, you know, uh, but Boris Karloff, seemed, I mean, uh, Bela Gossi seemed to be more a little more trapped in horror. Yeah, like typecast. <laughs> yeah. So we don't want to get off on, that's a whole different story talking about Dracula. Yes. So, uh <laughs> So yes, it's a it's a it's a it's a good film for the time. Yeah, uh, it it uh, does have some of the some of the resonance of the book. Yeah, as I understand <laughs> it, and um, it it's not quite though as it's not a jump scare kind of thing really. Yeah, it's just the oh my god, he created a, a, a creature. Yeah, that does go on a rampage a little bit, and then people's reacting to it, and that's. That is, I know, uh, is probably key in the Fra in uh, Shelley's Frankenstein is how people react to the monster. Yeah. Uh, and, and as you see, anytime there's a an alien movie, an aliens you know land, you know there's all these guys with shotguns, let's go kill it, you know. And then it was probably pitchforks and torches. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, they were the same thing. It's fearful, fear of the unknown. Yeah. So. I, but it's it's not as I don't think as psychological necessarily as the book probably is. Yeah, she was more Victorian, and I assume it's more of a psychological thriller for her. Yeah. Uh. So the uh, Universal movie also had uh, four sequels. Right. Uh, Bride of Frankenstein from. 35, Son of Frankenstein in 39, Ghost of Frankenstein in 42, and House of Frankenstein in 44. So, 
as we were talking a little bit, uh, Bride of Frankenstein is sort of continuing the Frankenstein book. Yeah. yeah uh, it takes another element of the took another element of the book that uh from our understanding anyway that uh didn't take up like a whole it was like a it was part of the story it wasn't it was a significant part of the story but didn't take up that much space comparatively Mm -hmm. so i'm trying to say yeah yeah no and um, uh but took that and made a whole movie out of it so one of the what kind of prompted this idea we could do frankenstein was uh, I happened to hear, and then we played it last night for everybody. Yeah. Uh, a radio play uh, from 1931, so it's a 90-year-old play, of a show called The Witch's Tale, with you know, it was an old Nancy and her cat Satan. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, really bad sound effect for the cat. And they told the story of Frankenstein in 30 minutes. Yeah. And covered. There's always with those kind of condensations, there's this idea that you must know the story or be familiar with it. Yeah. This came out about three months before the movie. Then it was a little, it tried to tell the book, I think, closer. Yeah. And gotten a little more of this, I think, the psychological nature of it. Yeah. Uh, because you've got a monster or the creature uh, who, well, basically you have Dr. Frankenstein playing God. Yes. And being, uh, and thinking that he's improved on God's work, you know. And he creates this creature that he thinks is going to be this beautiful superhuman and it turns it kind of into this, in the, in the radio play, it was when he's animating it, it sort of shrivels up and becomes you know gross grotesque yeah and uh he freaks out about it and uh so you know and then he thinks the creatures you know he goes crazy for a little while and then the creature returns and can speak english and is well read like apparently and stuff yeah. like that um which i don't think the original the movie doesn't really get into very much people all that <laughs> Um, and the Universal movie, the uh, the Universal interpretation of Frankenstein, the monster is uh, more nonverbal, right? And as in Young Frankenstein, it's an abnormal brain or whatever. He's a criminal brain. That yeah, makes him kind of that way. But in the book, he's thinking he's created this brain that will absorb everything and become this you know not only strong and. Uh, impenetrable by d- d- cold and all that sort of stuff but also be really smart and be able to pick up everything really fast so he, th- he thinks he's invented this kind of a superhuman yeah and that goes sideways pretty quick uh but it the what i liked about it at least the radio play which i assume is in the book was the feeling of you've got the creature uh loves and hates his creator yeah he's the only person that he knows is dr frankenstein who loathes him and at the same time uh, he has to be he loves Dr. Frankenstein in return for giving him sort of birth yeah that is uh, from our understanding pretty much how it happens in the yeah or that's that uh, relationship is there in the original story right so um, I, I think that's something that's not really so much in the movie yeah they kind of blip past the psychological side of it yeah, I know. Uh, so, uh, based up, kind of going back to this, uh, 
Do we have any thoughts on how uh, Bride of Frankenstein was? Well, as I understand it, and you guys have read a book that's closer to an adaptation to the original. Yeah. But my understanding is in the in the book, uh, the monster wants a mate. Yeah. He feels like he's the only person that doesn't have a mate. This is before, you know, identification. Yeah, the monster so. is. Yeah, the monster <laughs> is. In the original story, the monster is lonely because uh, he can't find love with humanity. Right. So he uh, wants the doctor to create a bride for him and she would be just as grotesque as him so she would have I guess kind of no choice but to be with him. Right. And the doctor is of course resistant to that idea because he doesn't recreate a bunch of monsters that are going to wipe humanity off the face of the earth. Of course in the radio play. Yeah. And uh, when he refuses to create the, the bride of Frankenstein the monster killed his bride yeah elizabeth which i don't think that's not happened in the movie yeah i don't remember that happening in the movie you wouldn't have had but they probably wouldn't have done that in how you know hollywood yeah. films they <laughs> kill the kill people off like that probably um so um and then that sets up this chase thing which i assume is in the book between the monster and dr frankenstein i'm going to get you and you're not going to kind of a deal yeah the uh yeah, in the original story, the Doctor uh, chases Frankenstein until they end up in the Arctic. Right. And uh, they, they again, there's a sort of love-hate relationship with them. Yeah. And... Yes. Go ahead. I was just agreeing. Okay. And uh, in the in the radio play, they both... they uh, f- the, the Doctor is ill... From having chased him and been out on the ice for several days and it's going to die and the monster sneaks aboard the ship that he's on and they talk and he carries him to for them both to jump into the water and yeah. drown it. I don't know if that's how the book ends or the whatever. book uh, from what we saw or what we read the uh, book and I think the book ends a little differently mm-hmm. it's a similar idea but uh and the version that we read, uh, the the doctor, the Frankenstein dies. The doctor, the monster, sorry, the monster senses that and decides that he will die there as well. Okay, so it's a similar end it together kind of a thing. Yeah. Kind of a little Romeo Juliet, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, sort so, of. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that's that kind of relationship is. is oldest <laughs> old <as laughs> stories yeah. but uh yeah so it's so the the movie though it tells a, 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 a different take on it and uh, i guess brighter frankenstein sort of tries to cover that other little gap in it covers that arc of the manga <laughs> <laughs> yes i'm sure that was her idea uh, <laughs> So and then uh, I believe Hammer made a Frankenstein. Yeah. And, the, and Andy Warhol made a Frankenstein. And yeah, and of course there have been countless uh, reinterpretations of Frankenstein. I saw a play years. once called Frank about the, the thing called Frankenstein. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, from our from your understanding, is the Hammer version based on the Universal movie or based on the book? My understanding is that Universal, at one point, because you know there's also Dracula and the Mummy and all those, is they yeah. gave them a license to remake their films. Right, so it's more based on the 
movie. Yeah. And then I assume this would have been a part of, you know, how Universal was going to relaunch the monster universe. Yeah. And I assume Frankenstein would have been in there. Likely. Look how that turned out. Yeah. Well, it's a, a, a gross miscalculation. Yeah. And trying to, I think part of the problem is they started off with the mummy. Yeah. And didn't really follow the mummy that you knew. They kind of, you know, modernized it. I think part of the charm of these movies is that they're set kind of when she wrote the book. Yeah. So you have sort of a mindset of people in that time going, wow, a creature, that would be really scary. Or like the Invisible Man. Yeah. You know, they, it would be hard to understand. Also gives a kind of a interesting timeless effect. Right. So modernizing it to... I, I want to say it was probably the Afghan war or Iraqi war or something and starting it from there kind of it dates it already in a way yeah and uh, and then you don't really tell the story that people know so they and they tried to make they made a mummy in the mummy returns or two mummy films yeah earlier so you just have to kind of stick with you know, uh, either go back to the source material or stick with the story that people know, and I, and I think that's kind of where Universal got off. And then they try to tie them all together by some sort of, you know, yeah. And, the, and none of these movies really. I mean, I know that Universal, you know, made the Dracula meets the Mummy and Dracula, you know, meets Frankenstein. And, yeah, Frankenstein meets the Wolf Man. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that was just cross, you know, promotion or pollination or whatever you want to call it, trying to do that. And it is is if you've watched those movies, they're kind of silly. Yeah. <laughs> so, the idea of taking that silliness and branding it as a big, huge, you know, monster verse was, I think, part of the problem they had. Now, before we pivot back to just talking about Frankenstein, uh-huh. I will say that at some point I would be interested in seeing Brendan Fraser's The Mummy because I know there's like a lot of nostalgia for that movie. <laughs> yeah. And we've, I think we've seen the animated adaptation. <laughs> yeah. But uh, going back to Frankenstein. <laughs> Okay, if you, if you <laughs> insist. Um. Uh, so, with the Universal catalog, the one, the other uh, sequel that we at least remember the story mm-hmm. of was uh, Son of Frankenstein. Right. Which I guess you could say German as kind of a sequel to the general story. Right. Yeah. I think it, it involves uh, Frankenstein, as Tyler probably says it's uh, Frankenstein's son and it's him dealing with the legacy left behind by his father father and how people don't trust him right and yeah and so obviously Elizabeth survived yeah the movies at least <laughs> to have the kid um that gets into sort of an interesting I don't know how where you want to go next but uh there's a movie that maybe other people's introduction to it uh, uh, which is sort of parodying the whole uh, group of films called Young Frankenstein uh, which was started out as a Gene Wilder idea and Mel Brooks sort of took it over as I understand it Uh, Um, and it basically uh, one of the cool things about it is that they went back and recreated the sets that were used yeah in the original film, which is pretty cool. And it's amazing that Universal would still have them, I guess. Because um, everybody seemed to sell off everything at some point. Um, but it basically it parodies the son of Frankenstein and gets into, you know, the whole Frankenstein mon- Frankenstein's monster and the bride of Frankenstein as well. Yeah. So it's kind of a 
mishmash. Yeah, but it, it's a it's pretty funny. Yeah, it really is. And I think I remember the last time I saw Son of Frankenstein, I realized, wait a minute, young Frankenstein is Son of Frankenstein with jokes. Yes. <laughs> to a certain degree. <laughs> Not that that's a bad thing. No. Just that it did borrow, it borrowed the structure very heavily from Son of Frankenstein. Right. Or Frankenstein. Fron- yeah. Frankenstein? Yeah. I <laughs> go. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yes, I walk like this. I can walk like yeah. that. Um, yeah, there's a lot. It, it's a it's a very funny and uh, parody of the whole the whole thing. Yeah, and very uh, enjoyable. Yeah, uh, and I think they kind of play with some of the other stuff, but yeah, I'd recommend Mel Brooks movie. <laughs> yeah, and that's actually maybe one of the better Mel Brooks movies. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Uh, the producers in that probably I think are the, the best he's done. I know some people say Blazing Saddles, but that's kind of just a big fart joke. <laughs> More or less. Uh, if, while we're on the subject, I guess while we're on the subject of parody, uh-huh. uh, there was also uh, Frank and Thumb, <laughs> which was part of the, uh, I guess you could say, Thumb series of parodies. parodies. Yeah. Uh, and I remember, it's, it's been like a long time since we saw that, but I remember it was really funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, laugh out loud, funny, pretty much, pretty much all the way through. Yeah. Um, the torches. Yeah. Uh, and it has, Which matches, as I recall. Yeah. Uh, no, I want to say it was, of course, based more on the uh, universal take on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was okay because, like, it's a quick parody. So it's just well, those those thumb movies were basically takeoffs of movies. Yeah. So it makes sense they would do a Universal, right? Frankenstein, yeah. and did its own torches, uh, torches. Yeah. <laughs> its, its own take on different elements was funny again from the last time I remember. Yeah, watching and it. I think I got a little into the, you know, the one of the things that I know is a parody and or is brought up in Young Frankenstein is the kind of the the police officer with the weird hand and stuff and that's yeah. more in the the other movies yeah it's not in the original movie as far as i remember but um i think it's like in center frankenstein you get the guy with the yeah and that's parodied and and i believe that's also in thumb yeah so uh and it also brings up probably because of like the with frank and thumb i also remember uh Probably because it was part of that series that also brought Batman in there somehow. <laughs> oh, yes. well, the Batman one, the yeah. Titanic. And yeah, the but I, remember, I mean, Batman kind of came back in Frankenthal. Yes, he did. Yes, yes. Frankenthal. Yeah, and the it's it works in the context. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you take that as a the Thumb universe, yeah, you know. the, <laughs> the Thumb, thumb cinematic verse. universe. Yes, the Thumb universe. The, um, the TC you. Uh, Anyway, it's uh, clear how much of an influence through. I'll just hold these up again. Through these, it's clear that uh, the universe, the Universal movie, has uh, had a big impact on uh, how people viewed that story and how it gets reinterpreted. Right. Uh, of course, there are there are other takes on that story but go actually in their own direction okay like uh 1900s oh and lovecraft was around uh-huh. he uh 
He did his own take. He kind of did his own take on Frankenstein called uh, Herbert West Reanimator. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it was been it was a year. It's been years since I read it. I read the story, so I don't quite remember all the details. Uh, but I do remember some of the commentary that the this book that I have had mm-hmm. about it. And I mentioned it was uh, originally serialized. Okay. And uh, Lovecraft, I want to say, didn't think too highly of it because uh, or it's considered not one of his stronger stories, partly because he he did it for the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was notable how many similarities uh, the uh, elements had to uh, Frankenstein. But, of course, it had still elements of Lovecraft's own world in it, like uh, Miskatonic University, and it didn't have, like, the Elder God stuff that he's really known for, but it had his brand of, uh, his brand of horror. Okay. Now, they made a movie of that. Yes. Uh, Reanimator. Or uh, Jeffrey Combs. Yeah, Jeffrey Combs. Right. Uh, who I guess was known for horror stuff. Okay. Uh, if I remember correctly. Uh, we saw, we saw the movie. It was like, okay, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Yeah. Um, something we were, something Trevor and I were actually talking about earlier was, uh, unless you want to tell the story, uh, it's like they, when they were making the movie, the crew was taking it seriously, but the composer thought it was a, saw it as a farce mm-hmm. so he composed it as such and then when they were reviewing the, the movie uh they were let the crew was like realized that it was unintentionally a farce so they just kind of oh. went with it <laughs> they got unintentionally silly at times right and it, but it's also kind of it's more in the uh i'll say creepy yeah variety of horror i mean it does things that you would you know it has a lot of blood and gore and yeah when it goes more into body horror yeah and then there's a whole thing with i won't get into with yeah father and daughter but um yeah it's it's a, a, a which is more modern yeah we tend to see you know for a time movies got to be really you know because you know, there was no longer the production code that made things sort of sanitized. They would just go crazy. Yeah. And movies got more and more bloody and gory and, you know, contested. Because you can. What? Yeah, because, because you can. could. There's no way to stop you from doing it. At some point, people are, like, overcompensating. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. For sure. Uh, people that weren't being tied back by the... <laughs> are being um, so, yeah, that movie kind of, got, kind of goes... I'll say over the top. Yeah. Um, again, the the practical effects look the practical effects look fine. The acting was all right. Probably Jeffrey Combs was the best one from what I remember. Uh, overall, it's uh, I guess decent. Maybe I can't quite remember exactly. Um. So don't take my impromptu thoughts on it as our full opinion of it. I think we have a review of it. We do have a review of that, and I know of Frankenstein on the on the blog. Yeah. Um, 
Which I'll have a link then, to in, in the video. Yeah, so then uh, Tim Burton did had his say called uh, Frank and Weenie. Right. Uh, there was a live action short film. Yes. Uh, which I believe you can view on the Night Before Christmas DVD. This one right here? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's on there because uh, Tim Burton, so they shoved some of his other stuff on there. Uh -huh. One of them was live action Frank and Weenie. So then they made a uh, anime, length, uh, stop motion. Stop. Yeah. Yeah, stop motion Frank and Weenie. We've watched it, but we haven't reviewed it. Right. Um... I was trying to remember if the Frankenstein story is actually part of any motivation in the movie. I don't quite remember. But anyway, it has the general idea of reanimation. Re right. Yeah. But what's different is, I mean, with Frankenstein's monster, uh, he's a kind of a conglomerate of parts. Yeah. And, uh, and what I gathered in the from the radio play, uh, that it's also like an, there's animal parts in there too. It's not just all humans, because he took stuff from the slaughterhouse and all that kind of stuff to make this creature. Uh, that is basically just reanimating your dead dog, isn't it? Yeah. So it's yeah, a little, it gets, little different take. They guess end up on reanimating pets because they're realize like hey this kid can bring back the dead right and then they kind of pressure him into continuing to do it until it gets out of control right yeah yeah uh, about that. yeah so maybe one day we'll review it yes we'll have to watch it again uh but i remember it was like it was all right yeah for, the, for those who are curious, both the fire call, both the live action and the stop motion are on Disney Plus. Yes, they are. Because <laughs> Disney needs a plug, a plug from us, so I'm <laughs> give, that, give that to them. <laughs> uh, if they would return the favor, that'd be swell. <laughs> uh, so anyway, those are uh, two different uh, reinterpretations of at least the same kind of story. Right. Uh, and recently, uh, Turner and I read a manga adaptation of the original book by Junji Ito. Okay. You guys want to talk about that? Sure. I also mentioned that despite the thickness of the book, the it's a collection of Junji Ito stories. Uh, and we, so Frankenstein does have the most, the biggest page count of the right. whole thing, yes. but the rest of it is like, must be like a dozen pretty much a dozen other stories so who, tell us yeah, there's a bunch in there so yeah. who is this guy that yeah junji ito yeah okay junji ito is a uh famous horror mangaka okay uh he yeah he has works like uh uzumaki enigma of god i'm not gonna remember this name it was like amigawa fault something like that uh i won't know yeah <laughs> Uh, feel free to correct me in yeah. the comments. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, he has these famous horror, horror stories. Uh, I believe Uzumaki is actually getting an animated adaptation. For Tsunami. Yeah. Um, and uh, Junji Ito was actually going to be the monster designer for Silent Hills. Okay. Just as a uh, small bit of information. He makes a cameo in Death Stranding. Yeah. So, um, so he's still alive? Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, is he still going? Good for him. Um, so, anyway, we got interested in, uh, because of his uh, reputation, we were curious about uh, how he would interpret the Frankenstein story. So we, we got we got this collection just to read that story. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and one of the selling points was actually that uh, that version of Frankenstein was closer to the book. So that is our idea of what happens in the book. Okay. And it's actually a very... The, the story from... The actual story from the book is actually a very interesting and engaging in its own right okay and uh junji ito's uh artwork does a really good job of tapping into the uh the physical and psychological horror element of it it's probably him calling right now (laughs) (laughs) that is the phone even in the studio the phone goes off that's good uh yeah, anyway. So, there is some body horror in it, but it's not over the top. It's, uh, just enough. Okay. It's, uh, more, uh, from, uh, from what I know of Junji Ito, it's a more, uh, subdued Junji Ito. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, and he has, a he has a very, uh, interesting take on the monster that you wouldn't see in, like, other versions of the story. Okay. So you have something you want to show us, Trevor, from the book? Should, should I throw that up on screen? Yeah. Sure. This is uh, the first appearance of the monster. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it actually uh, taps into the uh, more of the what I what little I read of what's in the book, mm-hmm. uh, the physical description of the monster in there. Uh, and it captures more of the patchwork nature. Right. Yeah. Uh, one that. Yeah. Uh, one interesting major difference from between the original story and the Universal movie is that the story, the horror, sorry, the story feels more personal to the Doctor. Okay. Um, like the monster does get uh run out by humanity mm-hmm. uh because they fear him but most of the uh horror is related to directly more to what happens to Frankenstein and how the creation of the monster creation of the monster affects his own life is there um I had a question I was going to ask and now I've totally lost what I was going to ask about but it was about the story. Right. Um, let's get back to me later. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> One of those uh, things we had, had it on the tip of my tongue and the way. Uh, Joe Gino also, uh, from my understanding, uh, had his own take on the female creature subplot. Okay. Yes. Uh, probably a spoiler alert. <laughs> uh... In the John Gito story, uh, Frankenstein is uh, convinced to go through with it, and uh, he actually uh, succeeds in creating a female creature. Okay. Uh, however, uh, even the 
even the female creature is horrified by the first monster and uh she uh goes she basically uh goes crazy and ends up getting uh killed okay so uh that's uh that ends up being a motivator for the creature trying to uh, basically ruin Frankenstein's life. Okay, that again, I imagine the radio play that I uh, heard uh, probably cut out stuff that you know fitted into thirty minutes. It was yeah. two fifteen-minute shows, um, so they probably took that part out. Yeah, but that makes a lot more sense in a lot of ways. Uh, so, I guess the Junji Ito story. Uh, Probably because it closely, more closely follows the original story. It, it's tragic, like even I'll say even more so than other adaptations. It's uh, the story is tragic not just for Frankenstein, but also you also end up, even though the monster wants to ruin Frankenstein, ends up wanting to ruin Frankenstein's life. You do feel actually sorry for him. Right, he didn't ask to be born. Yeah, or create it. Yeah, so mm -hmm. it taps into. It brings out more of the tragic element of the what happens with the monster. Okay. Huh. All right. Sounds like a fairly interesting read. Yeah. Again, that's not to say like the universal version doesn't tap into the tragic element of the monster, but it, but they they make him out to be more of a outsider and the creature and to be feared. Yeah. Uh, because he does like you know. I'm thinking of the Frankenthal with the guy talking with the Italian <laughs> accent, uh, but uh, yeah, um, he does like you know k kill the little girl and yeah. the, you know he's kind of you know he's not uh, as I say I think in Young Frankenstein they try to answer that question with the abby abby normal brain you know yeah. that uh, Igor collects yeah. Um, uh, something different. <laughs> Okay. Uh, for for uh, those who are curious, uh, this is the these are the other stories in this collection. Um, yeah. She really, honestly, I don't think people will be able to read it unless they have a really big screen. Right. Well, I'll just pause. <laughs> <laughs> but if you can read it, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, all right, so anything else we want to talk about with related to Frankenstein and our vast knowledge of the subject? Uh, was there something you wanted to ask, or did you already ask it? I The question I was going to ask, I, I forgot. Okay. And it just happens. Okay. Um, so... Do you have a... F okay, so let's just say, do you have a favorite of the tellings of Frankenstein that we've watched or read or heard? Well... Based on recent experience, one of my favorites would be the Junji Ito version. Okay. Um, Which is incidentally the only Junji Ito story we've ever actually read. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, as for other interpretations, uh, the original Universal one is still pretty good. Right. Yeah, there's a, yeah, I, I, again, I, I know that one better. And I do appreciate the. I mean, supposedly, like it took a long time to do the makeup, and it was lead-based makeup, which isn't good for you. Yeah. And I guess they worked on it on the. I saw a thing on TCM recently where they were talking about to his daughter about all he went through, and basically it took like months or weeks or something to come up with the makeup for it. And 
it was a long arduous putting it on every day yeah and they wouldn't let him uh eat lunch at the commissary because he would scare other people hmm. yeah so uh as for like parodies i would probably say maybe young frankenstein right and of course yeah. frankenstein. Frank was yeah. pretty funny <laughs> <laughs> all right well i think we kind of covered that so hopefully you're having a, you'll pick one of those movies for your halloween enjoyment yes right? and or you can read our reviews where trophy unlocked at blogspot.com all right so next time i'm david hankins i'm paul hankins i'm trevor hankins and you've been on the air with power squared 